Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball here with you on the show. Got a shorter, more focused episode for you because, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I really want to discuss two specific pitchers and break down what they've been doing lately because I keep throwing the starting pitching out as absolutely and objectively terrible. And when you look at it across the board, it has been. <laughs> like, I'm not walking back the broad statement, right? But there are always exceptions to rules and nuance and all of that stuff. And I keep just kind of saying, well, apart, you know, Seabold's been better than you might have thought. And, oh, yeah, I, I literally, I feel like every other day, and I'm not... I'm about to focus on him, so we're going to do the thing, right? But I I keep forgetting that Chase Anderson is on the team. I'm not even going to lie. Like, he feels like a pitcher out of a different era, right? When he pitches, it is so uneventful. But in a way, that's like the biggest breath of fresh air the Rockies could possibly have gotten, right? So I want to talk a little bit about what Seabold and Anderson have been doing since the Chase Anderson story is in my mind much more interesting and fascinating and well he's been doing better I'm going to finish with that and let's start with Connor Seabold because this is really really fascinating to me the Rockies pick up Seabold from Boston and you know it really wasn't one of those pickups that I thought much of right uh the same way uh Harold Castro didn't really think much of that and haven't really changed my mind much on that, right? Like, he had an 11.29 ERA, only 18 innings pitched. So he didn't get much done in Boston, but he's also a rookie at 26 years old. So, okay. You know, not a whole lot. The, the profile doesn't screw it right. It doesn't have a, an overwhelming fastball. None of that stuff. He comes in, and in spring training, he was mostly not that great. He wasn't terrible. He was right in the middle of the pack. There were some guys who absolutely struggled. You remember, if you followed spring training, Armand Marquez, sadly, was incredible. One of the best pitchers. in. So, you know, there was a spectrum, and Seabold was right in the middle of that spectrum. Then he started the season as a long reliever because, and this sentence feels really weird to say in light of the entire history of the team and everything that's happened since then, but... The Rockies had a surprising amount of depth at starting pitcher, right? They had a pretty good rotation locked in as the season began. And so it made more sense to make Seabold into a starter. I'm sorry, into a a reliever. A long reliever because he had a history starting and could go multiple innings. And so that was the case. And for his first several outings out of the bullpen, he was not good. Like, he was... The worst part of the bullpen early on, him and remember that they carry Ty Block out of spring training as well, right? In fact, first game out of the gate, three innings pitched, four earned runs given up, right? That that was Siebel. And that's kind of what he was doing. Every time he went out, next game, 2.1 innings pitched, earned run given up. Next time out, he got one out. So, okay. Then the next time he has to pitch a full inning, gives up an earned run, right? So he wasn't doing anything in a relief role that made you think, man, Got to get this guy into the rotation, right? Pitched, had one clean outing after that, an inning and an out to make his ERA 675 after five games pitched, right? And a decent number of innings at that point too because he was picking up more than one typically. Then the Rockies start experiencing these pitching injuries and they didn't, 
move him immediately. Of course, they had to send him down. So he actually did get another appearance uh, on April 17th. And and he was actually kind of decent in that. Maybe was showing some signs of starting to turn the corner in late April. Also had one on the 29th. But with all of the injuries that the Rockies have had in the rotation, I'm not going to name them all. You've listened to the show. You know who they are. It was everybody. <laughs> Everyone but Kyle Freeland got hurt. And so Siebold goes down to AAA, gets maybe two or three. I'd have to look it up. Just a couple. I'm going to focus on what he's done. Obviously, my research here has been about what happens next, right? So he comes back from AAA, a couple of outings, gets the arms stretched out. And what does he do? Five innings pitched, three earned runs. Next outing, five innings pitched, one earned run. Little bit of a stumble against Cincinnati, 4.1 innings pitched, four earned runs. Bad against Texas, 3.2 innings pitched, five earned runs. Okay against the Mets, but inefficient, 4.2 innings pitched, three earned runs. But still, none of these are absolutely dreadful right and not to pick on the guy but some of the outings we've seen out of austin gomber this year where he's given up five or six runs in the first two innings or literally anyone who's pitched out of that final spot in the rotation from jose urania to denelson lamette right none of these are that and then over these last three starts and i'm going to talk specifically about why i think this is 5.1 innings pitched in arizona against a hot and potentially pretty good Arizona team. Certainly a good Arizona lineup right now. 5.1 innings pitched, one earned run. Remember, that was the game, of course, where, uh, unfortunately, the the Rockies, down to the very last pitch of the game, uh, could have won it, but walk off from Corbin Carroll. Then he goes against the Giants, six innings pitched, two earned, run, earned runs. And then his most recent outing, just a couple of days ago in Boston, six innings pitched, one earned run against his former team with a season-high six strikeouts. So I waited till the right time to talk about this young man. Well, no, he is still a young man. He's 27, right? He's not, I, I get he's not, you know, Ezekiel Tovar. But this is his first full season as a starter in Major League Baseball. And he's doing it, as we all know, in one of the most difficult environments to do it in. In his starts, let's see, one, two, three on the road, one, two, three, four on the road, and four at home. Perfect split, and he's been so damned consistent. And I don't know if you can expect it to continue, but I will say this. This hasn't happened, especially in my mind in these last three outings, because of you know him getting lucky, or the defense is really picking him up, or uh, he's just having a, a hot couple of days. He's clearly tweaked a couple of things about what he does, most especially the way he uses the changeup. Now, I don't know if he's made over the years different changes to the grip and, uh, you know, the way he pulls the string, any of that other stuff. There's all kinds of interesting technique that can go into throwing a changeup, especially. There's a lot of different philosophies on how to do that the best. But his implementation of the changeup, when he's choosing to use it, early in count, but basically being able to throw the changeup in any count, at any time, and either 
for a strike or for a swing and a miss pitch. And this has been a massive difference for him over these last several outings. Because for a lot of guys, and this is actually a fairly tried and true formula, especially if you've got pretty good stuff, right? A, a, a way to pitch is to pound the strike zone with the fastball, move it around so you know guys don't always know where it's going to be, but as long as they're not right on the location of it, a fastball is still a very difficult pitch to hit if it's on the edges. And right now, if there's anything that maybe is a bit locked in and a bit maybe maybe it's streaky, maybe, you know, the, the, the thing you do have to worry about with any pitcher when they're pitching this well and you wonder what would be the thing that would start happening that would unravel the success they're having right now, well, the fastball command has been very, very good. He's painting the edges with the fastball right now, which has turned his changeup into a very real weapon, right? Where before, Connor didn't really have, like, a weapon, an out pitch. A lot of times guys will call it an out pitch, right? So as I was starting to say before, it's typically, or at least in the old school mentality, you use your fastball to set up your changeup. Once you've got the guy to a strike or two, you start pouring that changeup out of the zone and hope they go chasing after it, swing and miss for your strike, or swing out in front of it, roll it over for an infield weak ground out. If they lay off at a time or two, now you're in a guessing game. Is he going to throw it a third time and do I stay off of it? Or is he going to try to paint the fastball at the knees and right? You, you, you get into that mind game right now. But what Connor is doing that's really discombobulating guys is he's throwing his change up sometimes like for a first pitch strike. Or sometimes when he's down in the count. If he throws a fastball that just misses and he's 1-0, 2-0, you know, it had been the case for him, as it is for a lot of guys, that you just kind of try to get a fastball in the zone. But in modern baseball, with the way these guys guess and the way the scouting reports exist and just the quality of the hitters, that becomes a much more difficult thing to do if you top out at 94. You know, and you tend to sit 92, 93, which is about where Connor is. But now that he's got this tool in his bag that he's clearly confident with, because you can see the amount he's thrown it, it's completely changed the nature of the way that he pitches. And like, it'll be interesting to see if he can develop a third weapon to go along with it. Because ultimately, guys, you know, really, really good hitters are going to be able to adjust a fastball changeup. And like I said, he's not going to have the the kind of fastball command he's had lately. He's probably not going to have forever. If he's locked into this, he's going to be a decent pitcher for a little while. Not a, not a, I mean, you can, you can, he's not going to be a Cy Young winner anytime soon, right? But it, as long as he is locked into what he's doing right now, he's going to produce some quality starts. And it's pretty exciting. In a similar way, well, no, no, no. I was going to say in a similar way to Nolan Jones. In, a, in the way that you're not expecting, but, but Nolan Jones has been so much more dynamic. Um there's just a raw excitement to what Jones is doing. You got power and athleticism like that. It's hard to compare this guy who's doing like the opposite of that almost. Like the the smallest nuances of the game on the mound are what are working for Connor Seabold right now. But it's also not just, oh, well, he's pitching out. We always had, but the guys are just hitting into outs. Like, no, he's made, he's completely changed his game. And I can't wait to talk to him about it once he gets back into town a little bit more. I spent most of my time the last week, uh, talking to relievers, talking to Nolan Jones, talking to Brenton Doyle, getting uh, ready for some post-NBA season. By the way, go Nuggets! Uh, <laughs> some uh, some post-NBA season uh, in-depth interview pieces for y'all. 
uh, now that I know a lot more attention is going to be focused on the baseball club here. And I do want to sit down with Connor and talk about this, uh, but almost like not too much. because <laughs> It's one of those things where you don't want to tell a guy he's got a 25 game hit streak going, you know, just don't mention it to him. Just don't even don't look that guy in the eyes because right now Connor is just, even when he's getting hit a little bit, like he's just pitching correctly that there's all kinds of different ways to pitch. That's not, not really a, a thing to say, but man, is he, I know it's one of those adages that new school people hate when old guys talk about he's pitching, not throwing, but this is precisely what they mean. And I hope he can continue it uh, because it would be a great story too. Of a guy who was given up on by, you know, the more prestigious franchise And again, I'm just a sucker for the very few number of pitchers who can come to Denver and deal with this whole Coors Field to not Coors Field dynamic and find some success with it, especially early on. And in his Rockies career, this is pretty on for early on for Connor Siebold. So uh, this is not an insignificant development on the season. Even he's got his ERA plus up to 109 above league average, right? I would take that out of Connor Siebold for the rest of his career and sent him into the cement him into the fifth spot forever. You know, if, if he's going to just kind of be this, uh, obviously we've got a long way to go. We need to see quite a bit more, but I never thought I'd be this excited about Connor Siebold watching Connor Siebold pitch, but boy, it's fun right now as is, even though, like I said, I keep forgetting that he exists. Chase Anderson. It's, um, what a breath of fresh air this guy has been. Uh, the modern day quality start. Again, something that I know. Actually, I think this one bothers the old. Maybe maybe this one bothers the old heads and the stat heads just the same. And to break it down very quickly, I understand that a quality start is not an especially good ERA. But I also understand the other metrics that show you if you go six innings and give up three earned runs more often than not, your team is going to win the baseball game. It's a decent thing to do, even if it's not personally the best statistic in the world. It is still ultimately about winning baseball games here. That's what we're in the business of doing, right? Winning ball games. And now I know the the downs to the wins and losses, and I'm almost totally on board with Manny Rondawa's kill the win and all that stuff. I don't use the stat very often. However... The fact that Chase Anderson has come in here and won a bunch of games. You know, in his last five, he's got four wins. And the loss, he pitched five innings and only gave up three earned runs. But again, here you go, right? 4.1, that's his lowest right there. Three earned. 5.1, three earned. Six, two. An actual quality start. Five and one. 5.2 and two. And if in the modern day, you don't go the sixth inning because bullpens are what they are and and all the other things. I'm not going to dive too deep into the philosophy, but the bottom line is this. He's a quality start machine, whether it's the official statistic or whatever thing you want to put on it. Yes, it's the low end, you know, kind of a floor of what you want. He's not going to win a Cy Young with quality starts. Nobody does. That's not the point. Not every pitcher on your staff is going to be your ace. Not every pitcher on your staff is going to be a Cy Young award winner. However... Let's go ahead and see what the metrics do say about Chase Anderson. In 31.1 innings pitched, that's six starts, 
for Chase Anderson. He's posting an ERA of 316 and an ERA plus of 162. Struck out 23. He's walked 7. Those numbers will play. Now, do I expect that to continue forever? No, right? But at 35, Chase Anderson isn't ancient. He put up a pretty solid ERA plus. Well, he put up an incredible, pretty solid. That's selling him way short. And way back in 2017, he was a 160 guy. And a couple of years after that, 104, 106. He had three years where he's pretty comfortably below league average. So again, I wouldn't expect it to continue because that would be unusual, but not unheard of that a guy retools and makes some adjustments. Now, I don't have, like I do with Siebold, the ability to look at one data set when he'd been pitching throughout spring training and how he was in the bullpen versus the way he's pitching now as a starter and see two very different things, right? I didn't know the Rockies were going to pick up Chase Anderson. I don't have the the visual research. I can I can compare statistics, but I can't. You know, do a, a one thing I, I have noticed throughout his career is that he's been prone to giving up the home run, which is not a great <laughs> thing to have when you when you're going to pitch half your games at Coors Field. We've seen that bite Austin Gomber a lot. I've talked about it a lot. Right, he actually led the league in home runs given up in 2018. He gave up 30. Uh, a couple of years before that, he gave up 28. A year after, he gave up 23. So he gives up some home runs. This year so far, he's given up six. So he's averaging a, a home run per game pitched, but he's keeping them to solos. The one thing I worry about is the seven walks isn't high, but I'd like maybe see it a little bit lower. Seven walks in 31 innings. Now I'm nitpicking. Like he's it basically, you know, kept the guys off the base paths, especially for when the damage is done. Hence all the quality starts or close to. And I don't really know what to make of this because as I've talked about, one of the reasons I haven't dived into Chase Anderson, despite the fact that he has been so good, is because obviously I've spent most of the season focusing on the elements of the team that I believe are going to continue to matter beyond this year, right? Uh, as as interesting as some of this stuff is, ultimately, it's kind of sand in your hands type of stuff, right? Because Again, I'll change my tune if they go on a hot streak, but I don't think the season's going to be competitive. And I think the Rockies themselves, even with the way they've started to play all the young guys, are making it clear that they're moving into that next era and that that's where everyone should be focused. And and I think that's absolutely fair, right? And so I don't know what to make of this. Is Chase Anderson, if he does this for the rest of this season, do the Rockies bring him back? It's got shades and elements of Chad Cool. When he started out and he was really hot in his first month with the Rockies last year. And then obviously, you know, that, well, darn it, Drew, cooled off. I apologize, right? But so we're still only at like 35 innings. This isn't a huge sample size and you can't run away with it. So the best thing I think to do right now is to acknowledge that this is remarkable just on the face value of, again, a guy coming who's from outside the organization who's never had experience with Coors Field as a home ballpark anyway and who hasn't been good the last several years and is at a stage in his career where I think a lot of people thought he might just retire but there he goes 
pitching pretty well against some fairly decent lineups as well. If he does it throughout the year, maybe the Rockies keep him around for another. Maybe it's a, another thing that they kind of found this season, and that would be cool. I don't expect it to be, but we'll we'll certainly keep our eyes on it moving forward. For now, it's just a fun story, and it's absolutely worth enjoying and appreciating as a fellow mid-30s, 30-something, as they say, guy myself uh, with a bad back and knees that don't do quite what they used to do and dropped a few seconds off of my 40 time from high school. Uh, you know, I got to root for these guys who, who come back and, and do the thing. And you never know. That's, that's why they play the games, right? When they picked up Chase Anderson, my thought was literally, well, that was the closest warm body they could find after their entire rotation went into the injury ward. Uh, and I am just impressed. Sometimes you just got to put aside the talking points and how's the season going to go and what's the future going to be and all the big conversations. He's <laughs> like, look at Chase Anderson. Look at this guy at 35 who just about everybody had given up on in the most difficult environment in baseball just being casually and comfortably and consistently pretty good. Not great. Pretty good. I think that's pretty cool. So that's what I've got for you on Chase Anderson and Connor Siebold. Like I said, a quicker one today, but it's, it is pretty neat that those guys are doing their thing. Now, of course, it's really unfortunate for those of you who were hoping for kind of a miracle run this season that the flip side of that has been that Austin Gomber has really, really struggled. And like I said earlier, the fifth spot in the rotation has been a black hole that's sucking in all kinds of multiverses and destroying timelines. And just, it's been bad, man. Kyle Freeland, very consistent. Very good. Well, I shouldn't actually, actually I shouldn't say he's been very consistent. There's been a handful of games this year. Kyle Freeland's got absolutely blown up. But he's bounced back from, from each one of them and for the most part, on average, been well above the average. So you can't blame him for anything. But these two guys have done it, oddly enough, despite the fact that Chase Anderson has been markedly better, as is shown in their ERA plus numbers. I'm a lot more excited about this Connor Siebold thing because it could be real and he could be around for the next couple of seasons in any number of potentially helpful capacities. Either way... These are guys that Rocky's got for essentially nothing in the grand world of professional sports who are giving them pretty good production right now. So, good job there. Thank you for listening in. I hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.